This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We've been in a series. I've taken a short three weeks and, and crammed in a lot of material in a series that I'm calling The Ultimate Adventure. The Ultimate Adventure. And really, just kind of how it's come about, what, what sparked my, my, my thinking on it, is that all of us are into some things. We all have our own little hobbies and interests, that, that little adventures that we're on. Uh, some of us, it's sports-related. Others of you, it's more intellectual. But we're all on this journey together, doing life together, and there are things that we're into. Uh, a couple weeks back, we watched a, some guy in our church named Derek racing a 1968 Camaro. That was pretty cool. Uh, and then last Sunday, we all got to like live vicariously through Pastor Manny as he jumped out of an airplane, and we got that on video. Um, and then today, something that's not as high energy as racing a car, and it's definitely not as high energy as uh, jumping out of an airplane, but it is kind of a neat hobby. Uh, anybody, just out of curiosity, if you're not too worried about letting us know who you are, do anybody fly drones that are in this service that you fly? Dan McLean flies a drone. If you're a neighbor of him, be watching out for that. <laughs> anybody else? Anybody in this area? Uh, you're, you're into the whole drone thing? No? Anybody right here in the center? No? So you are by yourself, dude. <laughs> And uh, you got a monopoly on it. Yeah, I, I'm not real familiar with drones either. Uh, I, I, I happen to be watching the U.S. Open Tennis Championship uh, when this went down this year. Was anybody else watching the U.S. Open Championship when that drone crashed into the stands during the match? Anybody? Okay, this is not going good. Uh, <laughs> you fly drones, you're by yourself, I'll watch tennis. Who knows, right? Well, there's one guy in our church that's not here today. He's flying a drone that we're going to watch his video. Uh, he should have known that I was going to show this video, and he probably should have come to church. But his drone flying self skipped church today. So everybody that knows David Law, make sure you text him right now. <laughs> text that dude right now and say, where are you? The preacher's talking about you, you backslidden drone fool. Check this out. Let's watch this drone video. Hey, uh, help us on the lights. The first service, we couldn't really see that well. So take down the lights where we can kind of see this. And I wish we would have had music to this video. The first service, they're a little older. They're a little quieter. I swear to you, they took a nap during the whole video. We need music with it. Unfortunately, we don't have it. All right, let's go. Drone video. I'll just talk way through it. I'll talk through it. I'll talk. Oh, this is at Possum Kingdom Lake, by the way. And yes, this is like a little drone up in the sky. Dude's on the porch with a remote control. And here we go. And Pastor Manny, any moment, would jump out of the drone. <laughs> Check that out. Isn't that beautiful? That's way up there. All right, that's enough because I don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but real life question I promise you I'm not making this up they are actually saying that these dudes have been causing like airplane crashes and stuff 
So the next time you're in an airplane, for all of those that are flying out to work tomorrow, I'm sorry to put this in your brain. You're like, uh-uh, I don't wanna hear that. But if you're leaving tomorrow to go to work up in Vermont, God bless you. And you look out your airplane window and you see some drones, you really need to learn how to pray. Because they say these drones are actually invading airspace that belongs to airplanes. So Dan, Dan, you're amongst friends today. All of us in this room, we just want to say, keep your drones at the right level, Dan. And everybody said amen. If we catch you flying in our airspace, Dan, you won't walk, okay? Because <laughs> candy will take care of it. The first Sunday of our ultimate adventure, we talked about the cost of following Jesus. It didn't, it's not about money. The cost of following Jesus is commitment and obedience. If you try to be a Jesus follower without commitment and without obedience, you won't follow long because there's a cost for following Christ. He says it's going to cost you some things. You're going to have to be committed, and you're going to have to be obedient. The second week of the Ultimate Adventure series, we talked about us. We talked about our faith family. And one of the coolest things that you can be a part of is the family of faith, whether it's this church or another church. A local church is a cool place to do life, making memories with those that love the Lord. And then today, I come to a, a, a kind of a, a stopping point in this series, and I really feel led to, to teach a little bit this morning on a kind of a topic that's, that's kind of, it's kind of a hot topic right now. Now, I'm not going to say it's a hot topic with everybody, but I promise you, you're going to be nodding your head here in a minute saying, yeah, I'm, I feel you. I feel what you're saying. Over the last several weeks, there's been a brewing, a stirring in the Christian faith. Let's cut this thing in half. We're going to say over here, the Christian faith, and over here, we're just going to say uh, our community at large. All right, you with me? There's been this stirring and brewing in the Christian faith that there was something going on in the spiritual there was something brewing and stirring in the spiritual realm. Uh, I'm fixing to make the jump to a big word that, that the Lord was going to return soon. Uh, the end of the world as we know it. But then over here in the community of our, uh, of our friends uh, that, that possibly are not a part of a Christian church or a Christian faith rather, there's been a stirring and a brewing and an, uh, a sense of being unsettled that it would be the end of the world as we know it, but it would come from like uh, political failure, economic failure. Uh, it would come through destruction by means of wars and um, even, even natural disasters. So we've got this faith-based thought and then we've got this other thought, but both of them agree that there's this real st 
stirring among people that something's about to change, that something's about to happen. Or is there anyone that can kind of nod at me or raise your hand or say, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, that you've sensed that, you've seen that, you've heard that. If you're on social media, people are tweeting about it, people are posting about it. And, you know, I just felt like, well, shoot, if everybody else is talking about it, let me talk about it. Because there's a portion of it that, in my opinion, is, air quote, the ultimate, ultimate adventure. And I'm going to use my comfort words that may not align with some of you, but this is what I refer to it as. It's the rapture. And I think you owe it to yourself, and I owe it to me, and I owe it to you as a pastor to kind of talk about this because you're hearing about it at work, you're hearing about it at school, you're coming across it on social media, there's people that are talking about it, so why don't we talk about it a little bit today, because I know without a shadow of a doubt that, that I take great comfort knowing that the Lord will return. He will return. And what I wanna say real quick and just kind of, I'll probably repeat this at least 20 times today, but I want to get real clear and be on record where everyone in this gathering of Calvary Church's second service, where you fully know where I stand on the issues at hand concerning the return of Christ, and that is this, it doesn't scare me, and it should not scare you. It's something that we're encouraged about. If you're scared about the return of Jesus, then that just simply means that you need to consider and weigh out heavily where you are in your relationship with Christ. Because if you're in relationship with Christ, his return should bring about this incredible sense of hope and excitement and uh, joy. Is everybody all right this morning? So I'm just gonna kind of talk a little bit, preach a little bit, teach a little bit. Who knows? What else? But we're gonna enjoy it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, for the next few minutes, we just open up our mind and we open up our heart. I, first and foremost, admit, God, that there's so much about you that I don't know. I'm not an expert on your ways. I'm not completely, fully a master of your word. There are things within you and within your word that I admit that I still need more understanding on. Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that there are men and women in this room today that would agree with me that they're in the same place. We don't know everything that there is to know about you. So God, instead of trying to spend my time about those things that I don't know, Father, I'm gonna ask you to help me today to communicate a few of the things that I feel confident that I do know because of your word has revealed it to us. So Lord Jesus, over the next few minutes, while there will be thousands and thousands of questions that I probably will not address, I ask you to help me address a few. And within those few, God, let those make good decisions for their lives. I pray this anointing upon me, and I ask this anointing upon the hearing of the word. We don't have to pray for the anointing on the word, because it's already anointed, but let us receive it now in Jesus' name and let everyone say amen.
If you want to, you can go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. You're like, where's that one at? <clears throat> Look over into your New Testament. Book of 1 Thessalonians. If you really want me to help you out, go to page 257. What's so funny? <laughs> Brother next to you is like, okay, 257. 1 Thessalonians chapter number four. I believe that we, we owe it to ourselves, guys, to be familiar with the whole word of God. Check this out. I've got like the biggest Bible in the building. I'm sure this, I've got like the old school Bible. From cover to cover, from front to back, and whether we all can agree on the chronological placement of these scriptures is not for today's discussion. But I believe with my whole heart we owe it to ourselves to fully know the whole Bible. A lot of us, what we do, we're real familiar with the scriptures that we agree with. You ever had a cousin like that? It's like you wanting to talk about one thing and he's like, yeah, but what about, it's like, dude, I, I understand you get that one, but what about this? I, I, what about, we're real good at the scriptures that we agree with and live by already. It's the scriptures that take us further and out of our comfort zone sometimes that we don't really want to spend too much time with, amen? But the whole Bible is presented to us and we need to receive it. Whether it be the first creation that's found in Genesis or whether it be the new creation that's found in Revelation, there's a lot of material covered from cover to cover, Sandy, that we all need to partake of. And unfortunately, there's topics within the Holy Scriptures that, that make us a little uncomfortable because it, it really puts where the rubber meets the road. Things like sin, uh, we don't, you know, it's, we kind of like a loving Jesus. We don't want to know that there's a judging Jesus because we don't like to be judged because we like to live how we want to live, when we want to do it, where we want. We, we just don't want you touching that part of our lives. And you can't have the whole word of God and not know about there are some things that God considers sinful. And what is sin? Let's make it real easy. Sin is simple. Sin is anything that takes you away from God, anything that's moving you further away from his love, anything that's disappointing to God, and there's scriptures throughout his word that deal with sin. Now, unfortunately, what's happened through time is preachers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, people, people have gotten a hold of the word of God and tried to take one or two little references and make big, long-lasting doctrines about things that never were intended to be long-lasting doctrines, and now you got a, a little bit of confusion can I get an amen? But there's also teachings in the word of God, uh, about salvation. There's teachings about heaven. But guess what? It's not all about heaven. There's actually scriptures in the Bible that deal with another location known as Hades or hell. It's a separation between God and, and sin or Satan. And I know that if you just walked in today visiting this church, you just think you walked into the 1970s because you've got a preacher saying the word hell 
and sin, and that's not what you thought you were going to hear today. The truth of the matter is there's a whole lot of favor and blessings and miracles and victory in the Word of God, and I love that, and you'll probably hear that a time or two around here, but you also got to take the whole Word of God, and there's portions of Scripture that talk about the first coming of Jesus, uh, the virgin birth of Christ, of which we're a man, believe it or not, we're just, I saw Christmas trees in the store just this week. It won't be long until we're on the virgin birth of Christ and celebrating his birthday. But then guess what? That's his first coming. There's also something in Scripture that talks about his second coming or the return. Everybody say the return. The return of Christ. And what I like to reference that as, just because it's, it's, it's comfortable for me, and if it's not comfortable for you, the terminology of the rapture, I, you say however you want, but I call it the rapture, meaning Jesus will return and there will be a rapturing away or a calling or a catching of the church. He's returning for some reason. And the reason he's returning is to gather together those that belong to him, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And verse 18 is often overlooked because it's not as juicy sounding as those verses. But listen to verse 18. Wherefore comfort, everybody say comfort. Comfort one another with these words. Meaning, take hope that fact that Jesus is going to return one day. How can you take hope in that, Pastor Tommy? If you're saved, you can take hope in that. If you're a part of the church of the living God, you can take hope in the fact that he's going to return. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate adventure. Let's get started today. There's two primary ideas concerning the return of Christ and how it's all going to go down. A lot of you are going to be faced with these questions in the next week or two because we're in this, we're in this kind of a window of time where everyone's talking about it. Today, believe it or not, this very day uh, is the Feast of Tabernacles on the Jewish calendar. And there's been so many people talking that over the last week leading up to today and the next few days that this is a critical, critical window of time concerning the return of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and some of y'all are like, oh, snap, I didn't even know about that. Well, don't get too fearful because this is what we do know. All right? Everybody listen to me. This is what we do know. What we do know is that as much Bible as we have concerning trying to look for and expect the return of Christ, we also have Bible knowing that none of us will know when that happens. So 
for anyone and everyone that's knocking on your heart's door or your house door, if anyone's trying to scare you with the return of Christ, you just need to tell them, you know what, man, my pastor, he doesn't believe in scaring people about the return of Christ. So just move on. Because here's the thing. The return of Christ should not be your uh, propelling to come to the Lord because you don't want to come to Jesus out of fear because what if he doesn't come today? Guess what? You're going to be out of here tomorrow. It's like back when 9-11 took place. You remember 9-11, right? Every church in America was standing room only. Everybody thought the end of the world was here. And I don't say that jokingly. I say it, that's our natural human tendency is to respond out of fear. Oh my, the Feast of Tabernacles, I don't even know what that is. It sounds like it's crazy stuff. And it's a, my aunt told me Jesus is coming. I read it on Twitter. It's got to be true. I'm going to church. So we like clubbing all night last night, but rolled up in here this morning because it's Feast of the Tabernacles. Jesus is coming. I'm going to be the first one on the altar. And when he doesn't come today, or hopefully he will, but if he doesn't, now what you've done is you've gotten yourself out of whack because your heart never really was pulled to the love of Jesus. Your hiney was afraid. <laughs> I wish I could preach like I felt it. Your heart wasn't right, but your was your little rear end got to church, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get to him. You know I'm telling the truth. A lot of people come to Jesus in these little windows of time out of fear. God is not the author of fear and confusion. He's the God of love. And, and, and I cannot afford to get bogged down here, but I'm feeling like sharing this little, you got to think about it this way. If you're in relationship with someone, don't, you know, serving someone out of love is different than obeying them out of fear. You tracking with me? You know, me serving the love of my life, Denora, is one thing. Me trying to keep myself out of trouble with her is a whole nother. She's happy with both. But there's one way that I respond to Denora that is just without question. It's just smart. You just stand up and do whatever it says do. But then there's times where I'm proactive out of love that goes a whole lot further. You tracking with me? So what Jesus is looking for, he's looking for a church. He's looking for people. He's looking for people in, in, in China, in Argentina. He's looking for Russia. He's looking for America. He's looking for Texas. He's looking for Fort Worth. He's looking for 700 McPherson Road in Fort Worth, 76-140. He's looking for us that want to love him because he first, not because we're scared of him. We want to go to heaven because we love the idea of living in heaven with the Lord, not because we're scared to go to hell. You tracking with me? Is this all right? 
Y'all regretting coming to church? Y'all bored yet? Somebody even told me before church, they said, I brought somebody with me now. I told him you was funny, so you're going to be funny? <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't, I don't have a plan to be funny. Well, you got to be funny, man, because they may not come back if you ain't funny. Man, no pressure to be funny. You're like, what you want me to do, a little song and dance for you today? What you want? What you want? <laughs> Did you hear about the priest and the rabbi? I mean, what you want, man? <laughs> Ask me to be funny. But check this out. It's the love and the goodness of the Lord that draws men to repentance. And I will tell you, the love of the Lord is going to draw someone today. He's going to draw you to repentance. Because in the next few minutes, there's going to be several of you that make your very first step to Jesus. And it's not going to be because I'm preaching about his coming and his return. It's going to be because you realize why he's returning. Because he loves you. And he desires life with you. Eternal life. There's two primary ideas how it's all going to go down. I'm going to tell you one that I don't believe, and I'm going to tell you one that I do believe. With all of this said, I'm not a know-it-all. I'm not an expert at this because no one is, but I'm going to give you my take. Here's the one I don't agree with. There's this one general idea called the general judgment that the earth is going to go on and on and on, and then one day Jesus is going to return, and he's going to gather together all the good, and he's going to gather together all the bad, and he's going to send all the good to heaven and all the bad to hell, and then eternity starts. The reason that's a termed as general judgment is because it's a pretty general idea. It's a simplified version. The reason I can't go there, even though the overall scope of things might somewhat flirt with and identify with what I believe, there's a lot going on in the end time and the rapture and the coming of Christ that's not dealt with in that that's very critical to you making the journey with Jesus. So here's my take for what it's worth. This is what's going to go down. The earth is going to go on and on, as it has, but there will be one day. There will be a day. The only debate is when. But if you can be satisfied with knowing that it is and not worried about the when, if you can be content with the fact that one day, Jesus Christ will return. And the Bible teaches us that he's going to come in the air. This is kind of Critical. He's not coming to the earth. He's going to come into the air. And the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ, all that is is those that have gone on in their physical death before us, whether it was today, this morning, or whether it was, it was hundreds of years ago. The dead in Christ shall rise first to meet him in the air. Those that remain, those that are alive and are saved. How do we know? Because they, they have put their faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and declared that he is the only way of salvation. They've not thought themselves saved. They've not bought themselves saved. But they have completely committed themselves as followers of Jesus. Those that remain shall meet him in the air. And this is where we've got some scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4 that Jesus, the dead and the uh, dead in Christ, and those that are alive, they shall all go to heaven. Okay? Now just stay with me. While they're in heaven, there will be a judgment take place. This is not a scary thing. Why? Because you saved. You're in a good spot. 
This is not the white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ. And Christ celebrates your, 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 your attendance and your, your arrival to heaven. And he checks your life over and we celebrate all the greatness of God in you and through you and for you. Someone say amen. How do we know this? Because we know that it's not for the unbeliever. This judgment's not for the unbeliever because now there's no condemnation in them that have believed. Are you with me so far? So what does that mean about all the people that were left behind? (laughs) No pun intended with the movie, right? Left behind. Well, that movie scared some people too. I remember one time we was at a family function, Denora. We were at somebody's house in your family. Gilda was there. Clyde was there. We were all there. I forget where we were. Uh, could have been in California. Could have been San, wherever we were. There was one of them little off-brand Christian movies. It wasn't like Left Behind. You know, Left Behind's got them real famous people like that little Cameron fella. But uh, this movie, it was, like, was it at your house, Gilda? It was a little off-brand movie. You know, one of them done like $100 or something. And they showed the rapture like fireflies. You remember that, Gilda? They showed the rapture like, like little lights going up. Man, you had all 712 of the Lopez family. We were all in that house. <laughs> so we were all gathered. You got, you got tamale in one hand. You switching your horchata in the other hand. And you glued to that little 27-inch TV. Them little lights going up. And I'm like... Oh, oh, look at them lights go up. You think that's how it's going to be? I don't know. Next thing you know, we all break out in a prayer meeting, boy. Ah! Thank God for them prayer meetings, boy. Hey, I don't know if it's going to be a light going up. Now, some of y'all are tickled and you're thinking, why is he, I'm not making fun of anything. The truth of the matter is they did the best they could do to depict, to depict what they thought would happen. Because we don't really know how it's going to happen, but we do know this. It's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen so fast that somebody's going to be working in the field with a partner, and they're going to look up, and the partner's gone. They're going to be in the bed, and one's going to remain, and one's going to be gone. This is how fast it's going to happen, like a thief in the night. When the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns... The dead in Christ shall rise. Those that remain shall rise. Meet him in the air and they they ascend in heaven. And all of this is so, it's twinkling of an eye. You tracking with me? But what about those brothers and sisters that were left behind? Now, I will flat out tell you, if you've lived for the Lord any length of time, like like a, a week, you have probably had that weird moment when nobody was answering their phone and nobody was at home. Your mama wasn't calling you back. You got your daddy, but that didn't satisfy things. You were looking for your mama. You are looking for your grandma. You went to the church, the place was pitch black, the doors were locked. If you live for the Lord any length of time, you've had that moment, you went, oh, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I thought it was under the blood. I thought it was under the blood. You're looking at people like, I always knew that one. I always, I, I figured that one. <laughs> There's your funny moment. That way y'all come back. 
There's your funny moment. But you know I'm right. What's interesting about those that are left behind or those that are still there, here's what's going to happen, all right? This is what we know. There's going to enter into a season, a time, that's called the Great Tribulation. Now, for all of you that kind of like to study this stuff, you've already put it together that I believe, personally, I believe that the rapturing of the church will happen before the tribulation. Everybody's got their own takes, man. That's great. Don't, don't, don't make an issue out of something that there's, don't fall on your sword over something that's a little gray, okay? There's no sense in, in arguing with your, 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 your brother, your sister, your family. No, don't get into debates at work over this stuff. There's so much about the end time stuff that's, it's ambiguous. There's not enough handles on it to hold it. So don't, don't make yourself look too silly is my point, okay? I personally believe that the rapture, the catching away, the calling of the church is going to take place before the season of the tribulation. Now, once the tribulation, meaning a very difficult time because the church will not be on earth. How many of you, can I just say this? The reason of any sense of of, of health that's on the planet right now is because of the church. You take the church out of this thing, man, we're all, I mean, it's already messed up as it is. You take the church out? So there's gonna be a moment of tribulation, a season, years of tribulation. And then what's gonna take place is there will be another return of Jesus for the battle of Armageddon. Now, this is the time where Jesus comes back to the earth, not in the air. He's going to be on earth, and he's going to have all of the saints and the angels with him because we're about to get it on. And the battle of Armageddon is where Satan is whipped and his army is defeated, and the nations will be judged. At this point, God's kingdom comes and there's his reign in its fullness. Not, not as we know it now with the church's representation, but the fullness of God's kingdom settled on this earth. And there will go into a moment called the millennial of about a thousand years of his reign. When that comes to a conclusion, there will then be another resurrection. Just as the dead in Christ went first to meet him in the air upon his first return, at this point, though, all the dead unsaved will meet with Jesus. This is the great white throne judgment. And it's at this position where there will be a complete overview of the lives at hand, and, and this is where it gets a little juicy because this is the whole heaven hell uh, discussion and they're really back to, remember I talked about the general judgment how he gathers all the good and all the bad and there's division this is where there will be eternity's clock will start ticking so to speak and there will be residents of heaven and hell now why is this exciting on one hand and why is it difficult on another ladies and gentlemen it's exciting because if you're blood-bought and you've put your faith in the grace of Jesus, you win. 
The reason it's challenging is because every single one of us in this room, we want everyone to win. And unfortunately, that's not what's going to go down. If you were God and if I were God, we think, we say, this is how we would do it. But we're not. And all we have to work for, Steve and, and Rachel, all we have to work with is his word. I wish, so help me, how many times have I stood at the casket? How many times have I stood at the hospital, man? I'm not messing with you right now. I've stood there and I've wanted so desperately to say, without a shadow of a doubt, this is your future. It's the blessed hope of eternity in God. But I'm not God. And you aren't either. So instead of us spending all of our efforts in this unknown, we have to deal with what we do know. And what we do know is we've been given a space. Everyone say a space. We've been given a space, a time. God's been so good to you and to me to give us this moment to receive his grace. We don't know when he's coming, but he's coming soon. We have no guarantees if it's today. We don't know if it's tomorrow. And these are not fear tactics. This is the tactic of preaching the gospel for what it is. Jesus wants to save you, your loved ones, and everyone on the planet earth. So much so that heaven rejoices just over one of us being saved. But yet, but yet you've got to respond to the gospel of Jesus. It's not good enough just to believe that he loves you. You have to receive his love and enter into covenant. Everyone say covenant. You got to enter into covenant with Jesus. That blood covenant, accepting the fact that his blood saves you and sets you apart. And set you aside as part of the church, the family of faith, that will rise up to meet him and that will return and fight with him and will reign with him and then will ultimately sit at his feet and worship him forever. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Paul couldn't talk about it much without having to share the good news that Jesus is going to return. John, Peter, all of them, even Jesus himself spent time talking about his return. Did you know that uh, over 318 verses in the New Testament alone refer to the second coming of Christ or the events surrounding it? One out of every 25 verses deal with this topic, the rapture. So it's obviously a big deal. Would you want to work a whole month long and only receive three-fourths of your paycheck? No. Then you can't just talk about three-fourths of the Bible and leave out this unbelievable one-fourth of Scripture's time and effort and penmanship that deal with the second coming of Jesus. It's obviously a very, very big deal. Let me tell you why that John and Peter referred to this as, somebody want to write this down, this is worth writing. The blessed hope, blessed hope 
interesting words of blessed hope? It's because it's not fear, it's hope. There's something about the return of Jesus that should bring hope. And I'm going to give you four little words to, to chew on the rest of your week this week. Here's what's going to happen. When Jesus returns, he's going to bring with him these things. You ready? Number one, he's going to bring deliverance. That's what stirs us up in excitement because he's coming with deliverance. Now, let me clarify. The Holy Spirit's operation in this dispensation of grace that we're in, it brings forth deliverance from strongholds. It brings strength and deliverance from, uh, from addictions. And chains are broken by the work of Jesus Christ in this dispensation we're in. But when Jesus returns, he's bringing a deliverance because he's going to deliver all of us out of this world, this earth. Now, let me help you understand what I'm saying. Think about a prisoner of war. You've heard so many documentaries, read books, and watched short clips of prisoners of war stories, Greg and Tara, how they were miserable. They were cut off from their surroundings. Their food was bad. Their comforts were minimal. And what kept them going was their hope of being delivered. Everything that they had was built on this hope that someday someone was going to kick in that door and break those chains off of them and deliver them out from the bondage that they were in. You and I, even though we're blood-bought and set apart, we're still being held captive in this world's economy, in this world's political climate. All of us in this world are trapped here. But how many of you know that the old timers were right as they quoted scripture that this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim going through it. Because when he comes, he's going to deliver me. He's going to deliver me out of the pressures of this world. Every single one of us in this room, if we're living a life of faith for Christ, you're under pressure. You're under pressure on your job. The pulpit is under pressure today. All of us are under pressure. Uh, sin and the ways of sin have been elevated even greater in this generation and in this culture. Sin is on a higher pedestal of, of accolades, and sin has been built up even greater than the people of the righteous lifestyle. Let me, let me just talk Borgard Parish with you. You're a cool dude if you embrace anything and everything of the world. And you're just a black sheep. You're just a weirdo if you stand for anything that's godly and in the word. So we know that there's a tilt taking place. There's a shift taking place. And, and God is looking at the time. He's watching his clock, so to speak. Pardon me for saying that. We know he's without limits. But he's watching the clock, so to speak. And he's looking at the climate in the earth. And he sees the persecution of the church. And there's a time where it's going to strike. And as scriptures teach, there will be a trumpet sound. And he shall split the eastern sky. And he shall call forth them that need deliverance. He's going to bring deliverance. Something else that his return is going to bring is going to bring change. Change in you and change in me. What kind of change? Well, the Bible says that you're going to put on this, this, this likeness of Christ. Some of y'all are going to get a little excited. You're not going to look as old as you think you're looking right now. 
Somebody told me in the 40, they said, man, you're so funny. You're always talking about your height and stuff. Back off of me because whenever he comes, <laughs> when that trumpet sounds, y'all going to do like this. Yes, Tommy, I know. Y'all going, oh. <laughs> Dude, I never knew you was like that. Yeah, you just never knew the real me. I've been holding all this back. But we're going to be changed, man. We're going to be changed. We're going to be putting on this likeness of Jesus. Now, this ought to, this ought to just really motivate somebody in this room. And, and I'm, being as, I'm being as truthful as I can be. Because the, John, the revelator, tells us in Scripture around 20 and 21 and 22, he tells us that when he returns and when, when, when we're in the safety arms of Jesus, guess what? These bodies... They'll hold up. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more diabetes, no more, uh, no more struggles with our emotions. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the reason I get excited about Jesus coming is because everything that takes me down is going to be put down. No more death. I'm tired of burying people, man. I'm tired of going to hospitals. I'm tired of, of preaching funerals. But when Jesus comes, this old body, this old body's gonna be changed and no, no more tears. All of you that, and I say this with gentleness, all of you that are living your life on an emotional roller coaster, you're getting laid off one week and you're so happy to get the next job and then the economy turns and you're getting laid off. Won't be any more layoffs. All of you that are struggling financially, there won't be any struggling financially because money's not even gonna be in your vocabulary. It's not even gonna be an issue with you. All of you that are tending to your loved ones, I know around this church, I know you all watch you. So many of you right now are your caregiving, you're caregiving to your parents and you're, you're helping your spouse, you're loving them and seeing them through difficult times. Can I tell you something? Only thing that's gonna be cared for is us. We're gonna be cared for by Christ and we're gonna be caring for Christ through worship. All of life's struggles, man, are gonna be passed away. Come on and clap your hands like you're excited about it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Deliver us and change us. Woo! Soon and very soon, we shall go and see the king. Man, I grew up on little songs like that. I grew up on songs like, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? We'll walk and talk and sing and shout. When we get over yonder, why? Because we've been delivered and we've been changed. Somebody say, settle down. I got to settle down because I'm breathing hard. Let me wrap up this morning. He's going to bring change, He's going to bring a reward. We don't serve God and live for God looking for a reward, but guess what? He's going to reward you. Do you know? I don't know if y'all knew this or not, okay? It's been a long time since you've been in Sunday school. Well, some of y'all need to be...
you need to be reminded of this. You know that you've got an account, so to speak, that you're depositing in in heaven. Every time you share the gospel with people, every soul that you reach for Christ, every time that you make an impact for the gospel's sake, God's keeping a record of that. Not a record to judge you, a record to reward you. We don't know when he's coming, but man, we ought to walk out of this church building today. We ought to walk into the cafeteria, to Spring Creek, to Slotsky's, to home with the cowboy game already started. We ought to do something and be sharing Jesus because we want everybody saved. Worship team, come quickly. I didn't realize it was almost halftime. I sure hope you spent, I hope you spent that extra money and got that DVR, boy. The Falcons been, been on fire, too. I'm saving my last point for right here. I'm saving this last point right now. Because I don't care how young you are. Hey, yo, look at me. All, all of our students, look at me. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. Let me tell you why you ought to get excited about Jesus coming back. Let me tell you something. Because we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. When the saints... When the saints go marching in, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There's, there's so many people sitting in this room today that your mama's gone before you. Your daddy has. Your brothers and sisters have. And there's a two-sided two two way we could go with this because we celebrate all those that have gone before us that died in the faith, as Hebrews tells us. And then we grieve and we mourn for those that have gone before us that died lost. But ladies and gentlemen, all around this room, we still have a space. We still have a time. We still have a moment that we can secure ourselves in the love of Jesus. And we will be reunited. We'll be reunited with our loved ones. Whew. Pastor Dustin, can you help me real quick, sir? Christopher Jackson, uh, we celebrate this today. This young man's gonna be baptizing here in just a moment. Pastor Dustin, if you'll help me out, go right through here, celebrate that. God bless you, buddy. This is special to me. This young man's so special to me. Let me tell you what we're celebrating right now. This is a product of water baptism that came through our special needs ministry. Come on, somebody. Micah, if you could set our lights right. The reason I'm going to set these lights a little bit different than how we, how, how we have them while I'm preaching is because I want to honor your privacy. I want to honor you. But let me tell you what I also do. I want to honor you with an opportunity. I have to give you this opportunity because I want to go to heaven with you. All over this house, 
if I've preached to you, if the Holy Spirit's been reaching for you, if you're in a position that you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you're here today and you're not positive that you're going to heaven or not, this sermon is not coming at you with an attack. This sermon is not being presented to you to scare you. This sermon is being presented to you by the love of Jesus. But if you're in a position where you're just not certain that you're saved, in just about 30 seconds from now, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to come and stand right here with me and I'm personally gonna pray with you and we're personally going to go after God together. This worship team is about to take us to a place in worship. Each and every one of you in this room deserve an opportunity to spend time with God. If you are committed and you already have given your life to Christ, I'm gonna ask you to just kind of stay with us for a second. Reach for God. Commit yourself all over again. Matter of fact, I feel led to do this. I, I know I've done this periodically and I don't do it for any kind of dramatic scene. I just feel led to right now. I know this was scheduled with my friend Chris, but if, you, if, you, if, if you've been thinking about water baptism, we've got everything you need to be baptized today. You don't need another set of clothes. We've got everything you need. All we need is you. If you would like to be served by baptism, I, I would love to baptize you today because I just want you. I want you knowing that you know that you know that His grace works in this space of time. All over this room, quickly stand. If you're ready to receive prayer today, I want you to quickly come. I wouldn't wait another second. I'm shocked you even waited till I had you stand. I want you to come quickly and stand right here. I want to pray for you. God bless you as you come. God bless you, man. God bless you today. Is there anyone else coming? God bless you right over there. God bless you right here in AO. If, you're, if you just need to know without doubt, man, you, know, you got to solidify things. God bless you. If you just got to put it all to rest that, that today's my day, man. I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm going to give him my life. Come on right down here. God bless you. Come on, somebody. Celebrate this. While, while I'm on topic, while I'm on topic, is there anybody else that's wanting... Lord, I about fail. Is anybody wanting to be baptized today? Anybody else want to be baptized today? You want to be baptized? All right. God bless you. Thank you, Manny. Go help me upstairs. Anybody else want to be baptized this morning? Uh, I know you didn't plan it. I get that. I totally understand. But anybody else want to be baptized? We're ready for you. We can do this with you. You won't be set back. Anybody else? I can't see. Who? You? God bless you. Come right over there with Pastor Manny. Anybody else before we're done with this? Anybody want you? Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. God bless you. God bless you. Is this you too, Cass? God bless you. Go right over there. Is there anybody else this morning? You want to be baptized? I know I'm catching you off guard. I know this, but I just feel led of the Holy Ghost this morning, man. And I'm again, y'all got to know my heart. I'm not doing this for any other reason, just because I believe he's coming soon. I don't know when, but I know he's coming soon. So you got to be ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Y'all remember it? Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else want to come to the front right now? 
Even if you're just blood-bought, sanctified, and set apart, you just feel what I'm feeling. You just want to come and be with the Lord for a few minutes. All of you that are in the altar, can y'all come in here real quick? I'm sorry to be an inconvenience to you. Y'all just come over here real close. Church, if you're just wanting to get close today, you got a lot of altar space. Come find you a place with the Lord.